0: We are in a series called No Other Name. We're making our way through the Gospel of Mark leading up to Easter. And so if this is your first weekend, you're kind of jumping in halfway, kind of midstream, and that's all right. Easter is coming. It's a month away. And so I want to, as your pastor, just kind of implore you to say, hey, who do you know that you might want to invite? So there you go. Feel implored. I don't know if that's the word, but there it is. Um, but we are kind of looking at a, an experience, an encounter that Jesus has with just three of his disciples tonight in Mark chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, or if you have a smartphone, you can go on UVersion, which is just a free Bible app, and there's actually a place where you could do look for live events and look for our notes. All my notes and all the scriptures and stuff we're going to look at tonight are in there, uh, and you're welcome to do that and kind of follow along, just as long as you don't check the games and their scores. Okay, so... How many of you like going to the beach for vacation? Okay. How many of you are more mountain people? You like the mountains. How many of you like both? You can't decide, and so you ride the fence. Okay, so, um, I love going to the ocean. Uh, It's one of my favorite things to do on vacation. I just, I love the rhythm of the waves, because it reminded me, I heard an illustration probably back when I was in junior high about how God's grace is a lot like the waves and it's just constantly rolling in. And I thought, you know, that has stuck with me for uh, way too many years. And it's been a great thing. I love going to the mountains too, though. There's just something about being surrounded by trees. And I think of Psalm 96 that talks about how all the heavens declare and all the earth resounds and the trees even sing out and lift, their, uh, lift up praise uh, to God. And it's amazing. And so how many of you have ever been like maybe on a retreat or a camp experience in the mountains where you just, you felt like for you, you had a God moment, okay? It was just some kind of moment there that God kind of just really inspired you. Maybe it was through a speaker who was speaking on a retreat. Maybe it was just an experience of seeing creation, whatever it may be. And however that moment transpired it meant something to you. It moved you in a way. And tonight we're going to look at this, this mountaintop experience of Jesus. That in a lot of ways, when you use big words, it sounds impressive. This is about the transfiguration of Jesus. Ooh, that's a big word. It's a seminary word. But that's all it is. It's a word. It just means this notion of how Jesus reveals himself in a way that is different than how he had been revealing himself and his identity and who he was as the Son of God, more than just a special teacher, more than just a miracle worker, more than just a good moral dude. uh, There's something more about this. Remember last week we looked at this notion of Jesus asking the most important question you'll ever have to wrestle with. When he said to all of his disciples, his closest followers, he said, Okay, who do people say I am? And they gave kind of their answers, and they said a Moses or Elijah come back to life type thing, or John the Baptist come back to life. And, And then he said, okay, but who do you say I am? Remember that? We looked at that question. We said that's the most important question you can ever wrestle with in life. Who do you say Jesus is? Because the truth is, everybody has to answer that question. Everybody needs to answer that question at some point. And you can say, and you can sit there as a, maybe a skeptic or a religious person, and you can push back and say, you know, I, I don't buy that Jesus is the Son of God. I don't buy that he is who he says he is. and That's cool, and that's okay. I hope that maybe tonight you would maybe see a little bit different side of him in a way that, that maybe take you a little bit further into discovering that question or wrestling with that question for yourself. Because you have to wrestle with that question. You might be here and you might be a person that said, you know, I, uh, we looked at the idea of the difference between fans and followers last week. And we said, you know, fans says, I'm on, on the Jesus train. I've got the jer- Jesus jersey and I wear it, but ooh, hey, I can, you know, I can put it on eBay. Um, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm a fan. And we looked at followers. Followers kind of say, hey, we confirm Jesus is who he says he is. And we allow him to begin to conform us to be more and more like he is. And so there's this tension, this balance that goes. So now it's been about six days later after that is when this mountaintop type experience is going to happen. Where God's going to, Jesus is going to reveal himself, his deity, that he is the son of God. And he's going to reveal more and more to these disciples. And it's Peter, James, and John, right? Right? So Peter, James, and John, if if you look scholarly and look at the New Testament, those are kind of the inner circle, so to speak, uh, of those early disciples, those early 12 disciples. There was a group of 12 of them, but there was about three, Peter, James, and John, that kind of made up the inner circle, so to speak, the best buddies of Jesus as they were kind of walking around and following him these three years. And there's some interesting things that happen. And what I want to look at tonight is this, this moment that they have, that I'm going to be honest, just looking at this scripture, and even for yourself, you're going to be like, I don't know if I can get my mind around what this would have been like. And I want to say that's okay because I don't know if I could even get my mind around what this would look like or feel like or be like because it's such a unique part of Scripture. It's recorded a couple different places, but this we kind of get more of an eyewitness account because, remember, Mark is really Peter's eyewitness gospel account. He's writing through the, the, the scribe Mark. Mark's writing this, and Peter's kind of saying this is what it was like, and he's telling the story of Jesus. And I want you to kind of get in the frame of mind by thinking about this. Maybe it goes back to that retreat we just talked about a second ago. Have you ever had a moment where where God was way more than just this abstract thing, or this, this power out here, where, where God got real personal to you? Have you ever had a moment where maybe you're reading the Scripture? The Scriptures say in Hebrews that the Scripture is alive and active, Right? that this book that we we study is is more than just a history book. It's more than just something that was written, recorded. It's actually stood the test of time and gone through all these debates because there's something with substance behind it. And we believe that God inspired this word so that we might know him. And so maybe you've been reading through the scripture sometimes and there's a scripture that jumps off the page almost and like slaps you upside the head. And you're kind of like, whoa, that's for me. You ever had that moment? You ever had that moment where maybe you're reading through a scripture passage, and I'll tell you one of mine. I was reading through um, the night of where where Jesus is in the garden, right? And uh, and he's praying. And I was just thinking about what that would have been like, that trauma, that, that struggle that he would be going through in that moment, that the cross is just around the corner for him. And if there's ever an eject button, this is the moment to hit the eject button on this mission. And yet, he, he perseveres through this. And, and I got to thinking, those moments, remember, where he goes back to his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, these, these best buddies. And he says, would you just pray with me for an hour, right? And he goes over and he prays, and he's got the weight of the world literally on him. And he goes back to his best buddies, and what are they doing? They're sleeping. You ever had a best friend that, like, you really needed them to be there for you, and they weren't? And I remember reading this, and I read that, I don't know, 20, 30 times in my life. But in that particular moment, it was like, God just, that, those scriptures just came off the page and was like, man, have I ever done that to Jesus, where I just fell asleep on him? And for me, that was just this moment. There's also many other moments where maybe reading through Psalm 139 and just realizing how fearfully and wonderfully made God's created me. Like and I never grew up thinking that. I, never, I wasn't anything special. But yet all throughout these pages, you know, God's kinda saying, Hey, this is for you. This isn't just a message to the masses. This is like for you, like right now, right here. You ever had that moment with God? Maybe in the scriptures. Maybe it's a moment where someone came alongside you in life and they just, they whispered some words of encouragement or they slipped a verse to you or they said, hey, this is what I'm praying for you or this, this is what I really feel like God's telling me to tell you. Now, you got to be careful with that sometimes because uh, there are weird people in our world, okay, that say God told me to tell you this and like you should eat pineapple and nothing else. Um, don't. I'm pretty confident God would never say that, okay? Now, there's never say never, but uh, I'm pretty confident I can't find another Scripture passage that would back that up. And that's what you want to do, is when someone tells you something, is there a Scripture you can go back to that's founded that you can go, okay, that makes sense. It's in alignment with God's character. It's in alignment with what he's teaching. It's not just this wackadoo, you know, weird thing out here, okay? Because there's enough of those people that do that, right? That say, God told me to do this, and they do something really weird, and that's not God. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Uh, maybe there's been a moment where someone came along and they whispered something to you that you knew was right for you. Had that kind of moment? Where it just inspired you. It lifted you up in that moment. Maybe there was a moment where um, God just orchestrated in the circumstances of life and the situations of life. Maybe he was coming through someone else where they, he just. You ever had a moment where God just said. <laughs> I've got you. I got you. Maybe it was through a provision. Maybe it was just through an interaction. Maybe it was something. But there was no way circumstantially that that should have happened, but it did. You ever had those kind of moments? That's the kind of moment we're going to look at tonight. I want to draw three applications coming out of that. So I want to teach kind of through this moment a little bit, and then I want us to kind of see it. And typically, we may pick Scripture apart, but I just want to read this in its entirety, okay? I've got the first couple verses up here on screen, but I want you to, to just listen. So if it helps you to listen, and you won't fall asleep, close your eyes and just listen to this. Um, but don't fall asleep on me. So here's, here's where it goes. This is verse, starting verse 2 of chapter 9. It says this, after six days... So remember, we've had this conversation, we've had these questions. It's been six days. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anything this world could ever bleach them. And, uh, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter... Says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's build three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. That's the parenthesis. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. When they came down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone uh, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They They kept this matter to themselves, discussing what does rising from the dead really mean? So they have this conversation, right? They have this encounter, this moment, this... I mean, think about it. You're in the inner circle of Jesus. He is a carpenter... Who has grown up to be a traveling preacher, a rabbi of the day, and that's where you meet him, and you're following him around, and he's healed people, and he's got these amazing sermons, and you're learning stuff, and then now he's he, he's proclaiming that he is this promised Messiah, and you're buying into that, right? And you're like, I, I really think he is, and then he takes the three of you up on top of this mountain, and like he gets whiter than like any Clorox thing you've ever seen in your entire life and it's this bright light and you're like, um, what's going on? I mean, can you imagine being there in that moment where, like, you've seen Jesus the person, right? You've been around the campfire. You know they farted. And it just, it happens, okay? I mean, you've been around, you've seen, you've seen him. You, you've, you've shared meals with him. And then all of a sudden, he's transforming into, not like a transformer, but like transfiguring into something totally different. Just this bright white light. And you're like, what? I mean, can you even begin to get your mind around that? And then, two dudes show up. And two dudes that you've read about in the history books. Elijah and Moses. You are a Jewish boy, okay? You have read about them your entire life. Moses, who gave you the law that guides your whole community. He's there. And Elijah, who you've studied about. You know all about him. And he's there. And imagine being Peter. Now, typically... In moments when you are witnessing extreme power like this, two reactions happen, right? One is you get real quiet, and you're like, whoa, right? Remember when you were a kid, and you went on your first roller coaster? When you were a kid, right, and you finally got over that line where you you were tall enough, and you walked up to the roller coaster, and you waited in the line, and you were next. That is a powerful position. Next, everybody behind you wants your spot. And you are there, right? And you're getting ready to harness yourself into this machine, this contraption that is going to take you and whirl you through the air. And as a little kid, what are you thinking? Whoa, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what you're thinking? Or you're the awkward one. And you're in the situation where there's, like, this natural pause in conversation. You ever had that person? Maybe you've been that person. I've been that person at times. When there's just a conversation, a moment happening, and you're uncomfortable with the silence. Um, hey, we want pizza. Like, you're just, you're that guy. That's Peter, okay? That's what I love about Peter, You have to understand the reason I love the Gospels is because it's real. Because this wasn't made up. If you're Peter, there's a lot of things in this Gospel account that you don't want said about you. Right? I mean, Mark even puts a parenthesis here that says he didn't know what to say. Hey, Rabbi, it's good to be here. We should build three tents. Got yeah, nothing. <laughs> Who says that? He's witnessing not just Jesus transfiguring, but Jesus' power. This is Creator like power. This is nothing they have ever seen before, nor will they see again. This side of heaven. They are getting a glimpse, a a taste, an appetizer, if you will, of Jesus in his glory as God. Think about this. Moses said, I want to see you, God. And God says, "Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock, and I'm going to appear, and I'm going to let you see where I just was. How about that? Because if you were to see me, you'd die. So I tell you what, you just hang out in that cliff right there, I'm going to pass by, and you can see my shadow. And that'll be good enough for you. And Moses takes it in. Elijah says, I just, I want to see you. And what does God show up to Elijah as? Not in a tornado, not in this huge thing, in a whisper. It's God saying, my power is so great that I don't want to blow you away. And so, like, I'll just come as a whisper. And you'll know that it's me. We'll have a moment here. Think about this. Peter, James, John. Did they come down this mountain? Did they come down off the mountain with Jesus? The answer is yes. Read the next verse. According to the Old Testament, should they have? No. No. They're seeing Jesus, the glorified Christ, in all of his glory, in the beauty, and in his power. It's amazing. Uh, Amy and I got to go uh, to see the, the Hoover Dam. Maybe you've been up there to see that. And it's massive. When you stand on it and kind of there, and you think about it. I mean, what blows my mind is to think this was 1931 to 1936. This was built. And you stand on it, and you're just kind of overwhelmed. It it supplies enough energy and enough power for over a million people in Arizona, California, Nevada every single year since 1936. I mean, think about that. That is some extreme power that we created. Now, put yourself in the situation of Peter, James, and John, and you're there. And there's this amazing scenario that's unfolding in front of you. And Jesus is revealing who he is as deity. He's transfiguring himself. Uh, I love the writer of Hebrews chapter 1 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Friends, if you're here and you're on a search spiritually, you want to know what God's really like, look at Jesus. Period. The sun is the exact representation of of who God is and what he's really like. And the church needs to lift him up more and more because part of the problem with the church is we've stopped talking about Jesus. We start talking about so many other things and people don't get a clear view of who Jesus really is. And so the church gets a black eye on things that never really should matter. But if we lift up Jesus, we begin to see who God really is and what he's really like. This power is on display. Moses represented the law in the Old Covenant. He's in this conversation. Can you imagine Jesus in this? I mean, you're transfigured. You don't even look human in this point, And he's just talking with Moses and Elijah like they're old chums, because they are. Think about that. They've been hanging out for a long time before Jesus puts out a body and comes down here to be the exact representation of God. God in a bod. And Jesus is here, and he's talking with his couple buddies. And as a Jewish guy, the reason Peter goes, let's build some tents, is because when Moses came down the mountain, the original first time of getting the law, and his face was radiant because he had been in the presence of God, his face, he actually wore a veil because it was so radiant, people couldn't look at him. And they came down and they built what was called the tabernacle, right? A movable tent. And that's where the Shekinah glory of God resided for all these years. You can read about it in First Kings, where the glory of God comes down as, as this cloud form and fills the temple as Solomon dedicates the temple, the first original temple that they built for God. And they built this, and God's saying, look, uh, my, the you know, earth is my footstool, so I really, I'm just going to hang here for a little bit, but I want you to know like this won't contain me. And when you read throughout all the Old Testament, you begin to see that God never puts himself with edges or or boundaries. That's the reason we don't ever see God in any other form other than a cloud. Because God doesn't have edges to him. That's why he says to his early followers, you may have no graven image before me, because I don't have edges. And you can't capture me in something. And so don't make these idols. I'm bigger than that. Okay, I'm more powerful than that. And don't limit me. I'm beyond your imagination. I am bigger and I am more powerful. And so all throughout the Bible, you see this more and more. God wanting to get closer and closer to his people to get back to, to restore what was broken back at the beginning. And so here we have getting closer and closer. And Jesus transfigures and reveals who he is, his deity, who he is to these three and there's this incredible moment. What's fascinating is what Peter says. Rabbi. Think about that. Rabbi means teacher, right? If Moses is there and Elijah is there and Jesus is revealing who he truly is, he just limited Jesus by calling him teacher. He put him on the level plane with Moses and Elijah. Uh-uh. That, that's not, is Moses and Elijah being transfigured? No. Jesus is. He's the one that's letting him know, this is about, I, I am God. He's proclaiming that in this moment. He's not um, hinting around that. He, he's making it very, obvious. God's voice comes from this cloud. Suddenly, they're enveloped with this cloud. It's not like a vapor happened. It's not like a fog rolled in off the San Francisco coast or something. I mean, this is a cloud enveloped around them, right? And in this cloud, we read read these words of what God says. Um, Suddenly, they looked around. A cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. This is my son, whom I love. Remember, God did this at the baptism of Jesus. He said, You are my son, I love you, and you I am well pleased. Now it's fascinating that the blessing of God is on Jesus before he's ever done an ounce of ministry. This isn't about performance. This is about identity. And So in this moment, God again is saying, You are my son, whom I love. What lies in front of Jesus coming down this mountain? the cross. Everything coming down this mountain just picks up steam and takes him right to the cross. And so this moment is a moment for Jesus, too, where God's saying, you're you're my son, and I love you. And then he says to Peter, James, and John, listen to him. And the Greek word listen to him there is not just, okay, take it in. It's this idea of listen and act on it. Listen to what you're hearing from him and act on it. Now, Moses represented the law, right? And Elijah represented the prophets. The law says this is all about God. This is how you get to know God. And the prophets were about proclaiming this is what Messiah is going to do and everything that's going to happen, right? Did, did God say listen to Moses? No. Did he say listen to Elijah? No. What he said in this moment is the pinnacle of what he's saying. Everything that the law talks about, everything that the prophets proclaim about, is found in one person. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Friends, you have to understand theologically how profound that is. In that culture, in that day, everything you've ever done has been around the law. Everything you've ever done has been around the prophets and about what is to come. And God in this moment is proclaiming again, this is the moment. It has arrived. The season has come. Good news is here. Not good advice, good news. And good news changes everything. So you look and listen to him. Listen to him. Act on what you hear. Act on what you see in him. Here's the three applications I want to draw from this um, that I think is applicable to us. This is a hard passage to kind of get around and to teach from. Um, but I wanted us to kind of see it because I think it'll set up the rest of the journey we go through in the Gospel of Mark. And so if you feel like this is a little heady um, or a little stretch for you to even buy totally, that's okay. I get it. It's it's a struggle at times. But here's the one thing I think that comes out of this. Uh, Jesus alone is to be the object of our worship. No one and nothing else is to get our worship and our heart's attention and affection as we worship God. Jesus alone. It's not the worship style music. It's lovely and it's awesome. But you know what? Styles of music will change. They do. And some people get entrapped when they, they want a certain style. And the truth is, that's not what we worship. We don't worship a style. We worship Jesus. And that's what we're about. And so we come here and we gather around and we try in the... In the Uh, in the time that we have to put our focus and our attention and our affection toward Jesus. Like we talked about last week, we want to make Jesus famous. And we really believe he is who he says he is. And we want people to see him for who he really is. And so as you look to create moments, we want our service to be a moment for you in in the midst of your week to be fueled up, to go out into your week, to say, "I, I got to have a moment of focus where I'm worshiping the one thing that really matters, and that's Jesus. And, and I can spend all my time and attention on other things throughout the week, and, and I don't want the, that to crowd out who I'm really supposed to put my attention and my focus and my worship on. Jesus alone is the object of our worship. That's made really clear in this passage. That, I think, is what is so profound, that Peter missed in this moment, but I think gets corrected. And this is him looking back, right? And he's saying, that's what that moment was about. It was about Jesus. And I was stuck on the whole idea of Moses was there and Elijah was there. And God was confirming, no, no, everything finds its head and its pinnacle in Jesus. He's the one I listen to. Uh, A second one is this. Um, I want you to begin to think about marker moments versus monuments. And here's what I mean by this. Um, How many of you have driven on a highway? Okay, indulge me, everyone. Okay, Um, you've driven on a highway. You've seen mile markers. You've seen those little green things that have numbers. For some of you who are new drivers, those are mile markers. (laughs) You now know. Knowing's half the battle. G.I. Joe. Um, So... You've got these mile markers, right? And you can look back over these mile markers. And we were driving back from Phoenix last night and we were telling people, okay, we're at this mile marker. And they were telling us, you know, where they were type thing. And you can, you can look back and kind of see them in a the distance. Or if you've ever traveled, you can look back and see landmarks. Like even between here and Phoenix, you see Picacho Peak. And you go, okay, that's a marker that I can see that, right? I know where that's at. I'm on this side of Picacho Peak or I'm on this side of Picacho Peak because I can see it, right? What Peter wanted to do in this moment was create a monument. Let's build these shelters. Let's just hang out here. Let's just set up camp here, Jesus. It's good for us to be here. Not like the other loser disciples that are not here. This is awesome. That's what Peter's thinking. Come on, you know that's right. They're the only three there, they're alone. They're like, we got the inside track. We're tight. Let's build a monument and stay here. I want to talk to Moses. I want to talk to Elijah. That's awesome. Who wouldn't want to do that? And what Jesus, I think, is showing in this very moment, God says, this is my son whom I love. You listen to him. And then all of a sudden, moment's over. And everything's back to normal, right? On top of this mountain. And I think I think if I was there... I'm a lot more like Peter than I like to admit. I'd want to hang out there because there's something powerful about that. And what Jesus knew in that moment was this is a moment, not a monument. This is a marker that you're going to look back on the whole rest of your life as you follow me. You're going to remember this moment. And it's going to be a good thing. And it's going to fuel you, and it's going to inspire you, and it's going to help you when things get really tough. But this is only a moment. And this is a marker. This is not a monument. And friends, I think we tend to get in trouble in our own spiritual journey when we forget that mountaintop experiences are just that. Mountaintop experiences. And they are beautiful, and they are to be engaged and embraced and savored. But they are just a mountaintop experience. Why? Why? Real life and normal life and the mission that we have is lived in the valley. And that's what Jesus is getting ready to do. In fact, he comes down this mountain and he's met uh, instantly with these disciples who are like, hey, we can't cast out this demon. I don't understand what's going on. And he said, did he pray? Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. He's like, how long do I have to be here? Right? Right? It's like, you got to pray. Okay, so he cast out this demon, then he's moving on into ministry. Why? Because real life and mission minded people live in the valley. What we crave is mountaintop experiences, and they are good to have, friends. And I pray, I pray for you to have them all the time. But remember, they are just a moment, they're meant to be a moment because you are on mission with, with Jesus. And that is about coming down off the mountain and living in the reality of the world in which you have been given a scope of influence over. And that's where Jesus has placed you. And so may you have many, many moments where you encounter Jesus for who he is and he just He meets you with his affection and his attention and his challenge and his coaching in all those kind of ways. That it may happen in sermons, it may happen in just moments in the car. It may happen. I've had moments with my kids where my kids say something, and they walk away, and I'm I'm leveled because what they just said pulled out character issues in me. Any other parents feel that? Wow, and I'm like, I am selfish. Good night. And all of a sudden, it's about me and God having a moment right there in the middle of a Tuesday, and I'm in a carpool, right? That's, that moment's can happen there. Other moments can happen there, too, but we won't talk about those. Um, life is lived in one direction. Not the band. One direction. Forward. Life is only lived forward. People that want to build monuments only live in the past. And Jesus is always about moving forward. He said, come follow me, not come hang out and stay here with me. Right? So it's always this pull to say, I've got to keep going. I can look back over my life. I keep a journal. I I can tell you moments where God has spoken to me. I've told you, I can tell you moments where he's confirmed things, like for Amy and I praying about something. And those are awesome moments. And you should savor those. But, friend, remember, they're a moment. They're a marker. They're not to be a monument. Don't stop. Live one direction going forward with him. Third thing um, is this. I, I wrote this. Revelation is about deepening your relational connection with Jesus over information collection about Jesus. I think in the church sometimes... As being a follower and a disciple of Jesus, we want to gather information about Jesus. Tell me one more nugget. Tell me one more thing of truth. Give me one more piece of wisdom. Let me read that book. Let me do all that. And listen, those are good things, okay? I'm not discouraging that. But the point of having a moment with Jesus is about deepening your relationship with him, not just gathering information about him. And friend, that's what you want to pray for. Um, I want to leave you with this, and we're going to move into a communion time and uh, a couple songs of worship to kind of give you some space to process maybe some of this. One of my favorite, and I say this all the time, I know, my favorite passages of Scripture, uh, because I have a bunch of them, okay? I just have a lot of favorites. Um, But one of my favorites that's been a personal uh, mission for me, that, uh, gosh, um, God gave me this probably when I was back in my mid-20s. And um, I felt like this, this is what is going to define my life. I want to give my life to this. And so uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, here's what this prayer. In fact, if you're ever struggling with your prayer life and you're like, okay, I prayed, I feel like it hits the ceiling, I feel like it didn't go anywhere, I don't know. Just pray through the epistles, which is just like the the letters Paul wrote. He he has a lot of prayers in there. And so if you're ever struggling with your prayer life, just go to his prayers and say, okay, I'm going to pray that because Paul prayed it. I guess that's good for him. It's good for me. Um, Here's what Paul writes in one verse in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Listen. Not know more about Him so that you may know Him better. I want to give my life to helping people know Jesus better. Period. That's what I want. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for your friends. It's what I want for people who are far from God. I want them to know Jesus better. Now, that is partly gathering information, but it is not just that. And we get sideways in our spiritual journey sometimes when we make it just about that. It's about giving me information. If you're listening to 20 sermons a week because you're thriving on that and you want that? Wow. Stop. I mean it. Stop. How about you listen to one, two, or three and like let it soak in. Not just consume. We live in a culture about consuming, don't we? And I think sometimes we need to be consumed by what we're hearing, and what we're learning, and what we're studying, and who Jesus really is. Not just consume him, but let him consume us. Friends, I think that's big. I think it's big in our culture. I think it's big for me. I know it's big for you, and that's my prayer for you tonight and what I'm going to invite you to do is uh, as the band kind of comes back out here we're have a space for communion and if you're a follower of Jesus we just invite you uh, that if that's an expression you want to have as we remember the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and that he's coming down off this mountain on a one track mission for you for me that's what the rest of the gospel of Mark is all about this is a moment that Peter James and John and Jesus got to have but it's just a moment because he's living on mission. This is a mile marker, and this is about moving forward. And in that, Jesus is about revealing who he is, that we might know him better. And so if you want to take communion, you're welcome to do that. We're going to sing a couple songs, and I just want to create some space for you to pray this prayer. And I don't know if we have it on the screen. Um, I just want you to literally pray this prayer for yourself. And to say, God, I, just, I pray that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you better. And here's my invitation to you this week, is make that a prayer for your week and see how God might reveal uh, His truth and His wisdom to you in in a unique way, in a fresh way for you. Sound good? So let me pray for us. God, I pray that we would be a people that experience this prayer this week. That God, for each one gathered here, for those listening online, that there would be an opportunity for them to hear directly from you, that you would give them uh, an invitation and that you would reveal uh, through the Spirit and through wisdom a revelation and a fresh insight about your Son, Jesus. Not that we might know more about Him and have another nugget of truth, but that it might minister to our heart. Maybe it's going to be in a scripture passage that we read. Maybe it's going to be in an encounter or an experience we have this week. But God, in that moment, would you help us stop and to soak that in and to realize we're connecting with you. So, Father, as we worship you in these next moments, maybe there's going to be a moment here for us to have. We want to be people that experience you and have these moments all the time. But God, to recognize they're just a moment. And we are about being a people living on mission, about the movement of Jesus and moving him forward. And so, Father, would you give us moments often, and would you allow that to fuel our mission of following you well? We pray that in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen.